0: Welcome to You Haven't Seen That, a podcast where we approach films that I, Eric, missed during my childhood. As always, I'm joined by my co host Chris. Hello, everybody. And uh, and this week is a, a pretty special one, from what people tell me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we decided we would do a Christmas
1: episode, given that uh, this will be coming out on, on or around the kind of week of Christmas, so seemed appropriate. And uh, so the film we've decided to do is probably
0: the film that pretty much instigated this podcast, I would say. Yeah, it's, it, it's one of a very small handful that people wouldn't shut up about that I hadn't seen.
1: Yeah, it's one that you just kept getting bombarded with. Yeah. And that's uh, John McTiernan's 1988 film, Die Hard. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is Daddy coming home with you? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop John McLean has come to see his wife. I missed you. Instead... He's going to have to save her. Sit down. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas
0: party by mistake. Who knew? Yes, and not only did people tell me to watch it, I wanted to watch it. I just haven't. So
1: so is there any particular... It just has never really found a time or place to be able to sit down and I watch it? I think so, yeah. I
0: mean, part of it, I guess, like, as, as with a lot of these sort of more action-y ones, I had two sisters, so mm. it wasn't as though I had another brother and we'd want to watch all the action films. They like... Sisters like action films. It wasn't a staple of the household, um, and we weren't just chasing them up and watching them all. And I guess mm. I never saw it at a sleepover growing up or anything like that, and uh, I put a lot of effort into watching films sort of as I was finishing up high school and going through uni, you know, watched the Alien franchise and stuff and the thing, but Die Hard's just one, another one of those films that just never, never quite made it onto my screen.
1: Do you think that might be because of the amount of sequels and stuff that ended up coming down, event, like, down the pipe eventually, that you just sort of dismissed it,
0: possibly? No, or? I'd say more that more about Rocky. Yeah. Um, no, Die Hard, I know, is meant to be uh, just... Just a genuinely good action film, and it genuinely interests me. Uh, the, the little bits and I have seen, and the, the characters, and my understandings of them, the actors and everything, and the catchphrases and the whole lot, just just really make me want to watch it. Yeah, uh, I, I think possibly the reason is I don't watch action movies on my own. That's okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't like. If I'm watching a film on my own, I won't always reach for an action film, and if I do, it might be one I've seen before. Like uh, my go-to at the moment's. Fury Road, just because you know it's Fury, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just Fury Road. Um, so yeah, it's it's not one that I, I guess I don't watch films of my own much anyway. Um, but yeah, it's not not the first old action films aren't the first genre I'd go towards yeah. i go for something even i probably often go art housey films even
1: yeah yeah You that's it you go for something where you can just be by yourself think and, absorb, and yeah, and films yeah.
0: that other people are less likely to enjoy yeah that's <laughs> it you don't want to put on something super weird and have people in the room look at you like why did you put this on and I still remember <laughs> yeah. when I was like 18 I put on a razor head and I just wasn't ready for it yeah it's no like, that's, that's a I, hardcore one to yeah, jump in I watched 10 minutes I'm like I'll so, give this another 10 years, I yeah. think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so did you didn't even make no, after up to the that, lady who lives in the radiator and stuff?
0: <laughs> no, I just saw some of the uh, weird alien species Yeah. Here asteroid thing and a dude walking around on a m- barren surface and I'm like yeah yeah I'll, I'll watch this another time and I will yeah. but anyway that's that's a different story no, this uh, this is one that I would enjoy on my own but I, I think that's just the reason why I haven't it's just one I know that I will probably watch with other people sometime and that just hasn't happened yet
1: yeah it's funny when we kind of had told a few of our friends that we were doing this uh, this film tonight um, so many of them have said that they want to just come and watch as yes. well like it is just such a Great group communal film to kind of sit down and watch. So I guess that's a good kind of way to kind of segue into what are your kind of expectations going in. Um, or what? What like you've sort of said a little bit of what you know about it, and I think that's mainly.
0: Well, I don't know a lot. Like really, you know, there's still all the storyline stuff, but um, I, I all know, the little
1: nuggets that have seeped into pop culture, yeah, Yippee
0: yay and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, John McClane, a young-looking Bruce Willis, just <laughs> kicking ass. <laughs> Back and, when he still had hair. <laughs> yeah, kind of getting hurt, but not getting hurt. Mm. Um, Rickman as Hans Gruber. Um, skyscraper.
1: Yeah, yeah. So those, those <laughs> are things you know. So what are you kind of
0: expecting then? I guess. Um i 'm just expecting Bruce Willis to be isolated on his own in a terrorist environment and he 's going to take matters into his own hands because he 's got the right training
1: <laughs> fair enough
0: <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah um i i can 't remember if he's the ex cop or whatever it's one of those those now cliched if not always cliched storylines mm. uh, is what i 'm expecting uh, i 'm expecting him to just slowly pick people off and then he's going to get the final face down in between he 's going to have some great one liners and just do some general, general ass kicking, really. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, some just quips and stuff, and some good gunfights. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> mm. So yeah, uh, I'm not expecting. I, I, I'm just. That's what I'm expecting. Is probably how I put it. Um. It's right, well, a very enjoyable shoot and slug fest. Well, not slug fest. Maybe I don't know. Oh. But, um, well, should we just jump into it and
1: uh,
0: see what you think? Yeah. Let's find out. All right. So that was die hard. <laughs> that was die hard. People yeah. died hard. That was, um, yeah, that was everything I expected and more.
1: Good to hear. That. Good <laughs> to hear. It's, it's a hard one not to just really enjoy and get caught up in the fun of.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, um, I think one of the best things is it's just paced so well. Yeah. From like start to finish. Mm. Um,. It doesn't muck around, it gives you enough backstory, and then the plot just begins.
1: Yeah. Well, um, well I guess on that note, are we doing plot synopsis for this one, we, or is this...
0: We're just sort of talking about it with a bit of assumption people have seen, but, Yeah. Uh, I guess... Because I, I figure we'll get super spoilery on it. Yeah, so. yeah, there'll be spoilers, everyone. They usually are for these films. Yeah. Like, they're films you should have seen, or yeah. something.
1: <laughs> basically. <laughs> but, like, I mean, the, the base, for those who haven't seen it in a while, I guess, John McClane, New York police officer... Uh, visiting his wife in L.A., or, you know, they're going through some marital problems. Uh, she's working in an office building, he's there at the Christmas party. Uh, seemingly terrorists take over the party and the building, and he decides to, to shut them. them down. He's a one-man army. Yeah, that's a, that's it. He's an 80s movie man. Pretty much. Um, but, on that note, it's what I think separates this from other 80s mm. action films, because... This gets credited a lot as, like, the, the pinnacle of the 80s action film and the one that kind of defined the genre. Yep. But it's nowhere near the first. This was made in 1988. Not... Like, yes,
0: yeah. The...
1: I mean, Lethal Weapon, Commando, yeah. uh, Predator, like, like, all of all these... All
0: the Arnie ones have been before yeah. And, uh, yeah.
1: and, but what I think separates this one is it, is, this is going to sound ridiculous saying it, mm. but it's kind of grounded in realism in the sense of some of the violence is cartoony and over the top. Yeah. In in terms of like, we kept laughing at all the eighties
0: blood packs. Like whenever someone gets oh, shot, so they 80s. get shot. Yeah, they don't hold back. Like that guy just got shot; blood's coming out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but the fact that he's a he's a hero that can get injured and can get hurt and really
0: does. Yes, and and the, we were talking about the continuity guy. Yeah. Um, when he's hurt, he he tends to stay. Yeah, exactly. He stays hurt from scene to scene. So like, he is a mess at the end. Yeah, of Yeah, like like once he's been in the events he's dirty for the rest of the film. Yeah. Once he cuts his feet he leaves blood trails and bloody footprints on windows and limps for the rest of the film.
1: He's not invincible action man. He no. is everyday hero man. <laughs> yes, he gets
0: stuff done but he's severely cut up by the end. Mm. Um and he doesn't one-shot everyone. He doesn't John Wick people.
1: No, he, he like, <laughs> goes for like, shin shots. Oh, that guy <laughs> who
0: just cops in the kneecaps and then face plants through a window <laughs> just to finish him off. It's so brutal. <laughs> yeah, um, they don't hold back with those. No, no. Um,
1: so I guess, like, obviously, the initial impression, obviously, you, you loved it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a good indicator is do you look at the clock or not while you watch a film? Yep. And I didn't really look at the clock until the end, wondering, oh, this is, this is going for... A while, I wonder how long long we've been cruising along for because it doesn't feel like it's gone that long.
1: No, no, um, but it, it's about two hours ten minutes, so mm. it is it is kind of long,
0: actually. Yeah, but it, it kind of flies by. There's there's the slow points in the film when he when he chats with Al over the radio just mm. to kind of pace it a bit more before they launch into something else, and you know he spends a lot of the time hiding out in the bathrooms and things like that. Yeah. Um, and they sort of slow it down, but then a lot happens again. It's just like beautifully paced throughout. Mm. They inter intercut. Um, all, and all the conversations, pretty much, are interesting or, or clever or witty or funny. Like, there's, there's really very little wasted wasted conversation.
1: Yeah, and it's um, a film that works really hard to set up everything that it needs to for payoff later. Mm. I mean, the good example is, like, the first... The opening scene of the film is John McClane on the plane, and yep. the guy gives him the advice. You want to know the secret to surviving air travel?
0: After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks. Then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Yeah, and so it's, I'm like, well, that's clearly going to have some significance. I didn't realise he he'd end up barefoot for the entire <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, and it's,
1: it's <laughs> this interesting thing. And then also, even like the little stuff, like Holly getting angry at John for not letting... Like, you know, when she's not sure if he's coming or not. Mm. And she slams the photo down. Yes. But it's just like the... So, you know, Hans doesn't know... Yeah. Connect- it's just the little subtle attention to detail stuff where the film pays
0: attention to everything and. And everything seems to. Everything I can think of seems to have a point. Yeah. Um, yeah, those little things are reused. Um, the first henchman who he kills, kind of by mistake really, yeah. is, um, is Carl's brother. Hey, brother. Oh, man. I don't know, Aryan number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tall, yeah, tall, robotic German man.
1: Oh, um, oh, oh, now I have a machine gun. That man. guy, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and from that point on, you know Carl is following orders, but also he is going to try and kill McClane.
1: Well, I mean, he even he says it at the end there, yeah. where he's like,
0: "We're both professional. This is personal." Yes, exactly. <laughs> and like you, you just know that you, that's all right. This guy's unhinged. He's already pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> God, that man looks really pissed. Only John can drive somebody
1: that crazy. But, um, it's fun because, like, the terrorists... I'm using that in quotation. Yes, because that's not.
0: essentially what they had treated the whole way through the film. Yeah,
1: uh, they're just so interesting and mm. entertaining. Like, we kept saying that once the police and the FBI show up, we were kind of rooting for Hans Gruber. Because... Yeah, because American cops are so arrogant. Yeah. yeah. But that was an interesting thing that you kind of brought up, that the film... It's, it's really not painting the the law enforcement of America in a positive light
0: it's interesting I actually picked well I felt I, yeah a few things like that like it it was essentially having a dig at you know the, the hubris of the, the cop in charge and mm. we've got thousands of cops we're going to send in our SWAT team and we're going to send a car to go upstairs yeah whose idea was that but you know and then um, the FBI come in and take over and they're yeah. having like Borderline NAM flashbacks. Yeah. And, and enjoying those.
1: <laughs> but it's interesting, yeah, it, it's contrasted with all of those power positions mm. being perfectly contrasted against Powell, um, Al Powell, the, yes. the flatfoot, the regu- the everyman cop who is the first to kind of get in contact with John. Yep. He, it, like, so it's sort of, it, while it's making fun of the superiors in the police, it's. M- kind of very cleverly taking his time to point out the average cop though yeah. is a decent good intelligent person yeah, and he
0: individually he, he adds the humanism or humanity I guess yeah and then the others are just part of the machine they, they've climbed up the machine hmm. um and uh one of the Johnsons seems okay the other one's a crazy nam man yeah Robert um, Darby yeah. <laughs> that's
1: what happens when you cast him but, but um,
0: <laughs> they also have a dig at the um, at the media yeah like it's it. They don't make it too preachy, but you know that the media almost stuff it up for everybody by revealing it. Like, well, they do. Like they that's, they do. That's yeah. the
1: whole thing of what makes it so Holly ends up being a hostage mm.
0: at the end is because the media, yeah, and people's fascination with wanting to know what's going on and break a story and things like that. So. Yeah. And just William
1: Atherton doing what he did best, being an 80s douche. (laughs) Yeah, he was
0: great. And all the media characters were pretty useless, which Hmm. was pretty funny. So, um, yeah, they threw in a couple of social sort of digs, but didn't make that the... They're not overt. No, no. Um, I mean, like Robocop, for example, is an action film that has some serious social... That's what they...
1: That was, like, the point of the film. Yeah,
0: that's that's the whole purpose. It just happens to, like, shoot people in the dick along the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, no, but this one, yeah, they, they include those, and if you want to take them on board, cool. Yeah. Um, but, um, yes, uh, what were we talking about before we went off on that tangent? The cops in general, like yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, the, um,
1: the point that we would kind of... you We'd w- notice the kind of satire and kind of mm. skewering of them. Um, yeah. I was curious what you thought about John McClane as a character because as time has gone on and with all the subsequent films, he, he has slowly shifted from what I'd said before of how in this film he is just everyday man and he has now shifted to... Superhero. Like, I think in the fourth one he launches a car at a helicopter and stuff, like, it just becomes ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And he has become that overblown stereotypical action star, Mm. but... He's still very much a grounded person in this film. So, like, just your thoughts on him as a protagonist, I guess. Yeah, um... Like, I, I, I'm making the assumption you were going and expecting it to be a very stereotypical 80s action film with him being invincible action man, I guess. I was,
0: although, yeah, I was expecting to be pretty invincible, <coughs> but, um, but maybe not Arnie Commando invincible. Mm. Like, blowing up shacks with his hands. <laughs> um, yep. So, no, I, I was expecting a degree of um, him taking hits, actually. Um, just because I'd heard this one was so good, and I was just sort of expecting it to be just done well,
1: yeah, done <laughs> I guess. in a naturalistic yeah. kind of way, a yeah. realistic kind of way.
0: Um, so you know, as as a hero uh, or, or a lead, um, no, he was good, definitely good. Uh, early on, it was a, I don't know, it's was just not all that interesting. I guess like his actual like character is just like I'm here for my wife. Let's see how that goes. I'm,
1: I'm wondering <laughs> if that's just him as like because he is. Obviously, a New mm. York cop, and he's obviously wounded because of Evan, yeah. the tear that's happened in his relationship and with his family. So I'm wondering if he's just playing it aloof and as a kind of wounded, kind of playing it, t- holding yeah. his cards yeah. close to the vest kind of thing.
0: And I think that's it, and that could be it. And but yeah, particularly once things moved on and he got more, uh the adrenaline was rushing and things were more emotionally involved. Yeah, it he seemed was, to open fantastic. up more and yeah. become. A and whether that was on purpose or not, it worked beautifully because yeah. by the end, you're just like, yeah, this guy's well, he's doing it for his wife, he's just doing it because it's right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he's trying to get Al on side. Um, he risks his life to save the hostages and things like that. Um, so, but he just does it, I don't know, he's not painted as his superhero. No. He's not Batman. He's not Superman. He's just a cop who happens to be in that place and it just, it's written really well. Just wrong place, wrong time. Job, oh, <laughs> job to do and that's the kind of person I am. Yeah. And he doesn't go seeking attention either, really. Um, no. He's just, Doing it, and
1: he's he's that right level of like sarcastic fun, yes, without being
0: quippy. It's so well written in that regard. Like mm. they just interject with just dry one-liners that aren't like look down the barrel of the camera. Laughs.
1: Yeah, and they're not like. I I think there's only really one occasion where he he does like a one-liner after killing someone. Next time you have a chance to kill someone, don't hesitate. Thanks for the advice but uh, other than that he is just like the quippiness or the kind of r- dry humour that's coming out it's just in scenario. it's a
0: scenario like it, even just like little things um, when the SWAT team the very small SWAT team of four is trying to breach the building mm. and the um, the Japanese member of the, the terrorists just reaches for a candy bar because yeah, he's like no. happens to be crouched by yeah, yeah it's just he's got time why not yeah
1: exactly it's, it's not like overt and yeah it's yeah. just those nice little chuckles yeah to... and
0: there's just like one liners everywhere just like offhand comments from like one cop behind another's back and stuff like that yeah um and um oh, and, the,
1: like the the cop going through in formation and getting pricked by the rose bush
0: yes, yes. Just yeah just weird the, fun stuff like that would happen all the time it, surely it, it's, <laughs>
1: it's, it's, it's wonderful little moments that are just injected throughout to remind you no you're just sp- having fun you're yep. supposed to be
0: having fun yeah this is just an action film. This is a fun film. Yeah. But they're just done... They're spaced well. They're not, like, heavily you know, focused on... None of them no. really feel too out of place.
1: They're really quick and short, and they're spaced really nicely. You're not bombarded with them. Yeah, and they're
0: not cartoony, I guess. No. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, I think drawing it back to McLean as a character, it is... It is just almost like a coping mechanism or, or like, commenting on yes. the scenario that he is in.
0: Particularly early on, he's running around just talking to himself.
1: Yeah, yeah, because, like, it, it's a great kind of device to help him communicate and be more of a character, I guess. Yes,
0: otherwise he's just running around in silence.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just, like, I mean, the air vent one. Like, just, yes. you know, come out to the close, we'll have a few laughs. Like, it's just... Yeah. Like wonderful little thing of like perfectly explains yep. how he the this his, sucks <laughs> this, how he's feeling as a character at the moment injects levity and also, you know, otherwise it's a silent movie. Yes, <laughs> so.
0: yeah, and that, that's the thing with potentially with a lot of those sort of um uh, action films and particularly those sort of sneaky ones, so to speak, where it's a one man versus an army and you kind of got a stealthy way around. Mm. Um, and I think the like other
1: action stars of the 80s kind of got away with being silent for the most
0: part, and quippy, because mm. they can't well, really speak well. <laughs> well, I mean, Arnie's a perfect example, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, kind of he's, of the- he's not a great actor. No. Uh, he suits his characters beautifully. Mm. Um, He's usually cast well, and you know what you're getting. Yeah. And he commits. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yes, he, he relies on one-liners and his presence. Mm. Um...
1: And I think a lot of the the comedy... Like, doing a little bit of research and things... I think a lot of it actually was improvised by Willis himself, actually. Really? Yeah. Because, um, uh, like, looking up... Like, doing the like research and stuff before this... This is his second movie. What did he do before it? Well, he was mainly known um, for the TV series Moonlighting. Yeah... Which is a really wonderful show. Um, it was like 85 to 90, I think. Mm. And so this was around the third season kind of time. Yeah. And it's a, it's a comedy series where he and uh, Kathleen Turner, who in mm. the series plays like an ex-model actress, yep. and he's a detective, and they have a detective agency kind of solving uh, cases. Ah, yeah, okay. So it's like a really fun, light-hearted kind of comedic detective show. Yeah, And so I think, like, he was predominantly known as a comedy, comedy guy on TV... There you go. And to the point of, like, they didn't really want to cast it and stuff, so... No, no,
0: so you probably have it already written down. Who, who were their first choices?
1: Um, I think it was a lot of just the kind of staples, um... Yeah, I actually didn't write it down. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Sylvester Stallone? Yep. Uh, Harrison Ford and Don Johnson. Oh, yeah, Because okay. those is around the Miami Vice era. Yeah, Miami kind of Vice era, yeah. yeah. Okay. Harrison Ford would have been interesting.
0: It would have been... a very different... Different film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he would have got the quips down, Pat. I don't know if he would have... Well, thought. he would have got his own quips down, Pat.
1: Or if he would have lent in for the, to the more serious angle, because this would have been kind of post-witness uh, kind of era.
0: Oh, yeah, okay.
1: And whether or not he would have tried to take it more serious, I guess. That's a good
0: point, yeah. Hmm. That would have been... A, yeah. yeah. It's, it's always fascinating to think about how films would have turned out. Yeah, but... He, Stallone probably just would have kicked everyone in the head.
1: Oh, it, that would have become... A, a stereotypical 80s action movie mm. at that point. And I, I'd imagine the same with Don Johnson. Mm. As much as I love Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, yes. which is his 80s action yes. movie, but... Yeah. Um, but I think the, the fact that it is Willis in the role, and it being only his second film... Kind of helps add that everyman aspect to it. Like he yes. he wasn't a star. Yes, exactly right. He wasn't
0: a. It wasn't like here we go, big name, off yeah. we go.
1: And, and I mean, the coincidence is this went on to make him
0: massive. This was his breaking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, and look at him now.
1: And it's such an amazing and iconic performance for your second film out mm. as well. Like so, just hit the ground running with
0: and, it, and he like. There's so many good supporting characters. And we can talk about them in a minute, but it's yeah. it's his movie. Like he's he he's yeah. got to own it. Yeah. Um, if he'd been rubbish, and the film would have been very different. Yes, um, very yeah. true. Um, but in saying that, he was perfectly juxtaposed or whatever uh, by. Alan Rickman.
1: Yeah, in his first film.
0: That his first, was it? That was his first film. S- straight off uh, Shakespeare or yeah, he, yeah, I mean,
1: obviously a very, very well-established theatre actor.
0: Yep. Um, but yeah, this was his first uh, motion picture. Very cleverly cast, because Hans yeah. Gruber is such a an intelligent character. Yeah. Um, and such a measured, calm character.
1: I could talk about industrialization and men's fashions all day, but I'm afraid work must intrude...
0: Well done to yeah. the casting agents.
1: Like, yeah, like. well, uh, I've got the, the story behind how that happened. Yeah, I'd love of, uh, to hear it. Happened. So, um, it was in the spring of 1987, so, like, when they were in mm-hmm. pre-production. Uh, producer Joel Silver and director John McTiernan attended a performance of the play Dangerous Liaisons, in which Rickman was playing the evil... Vicmont de Valmont. Uh, they immediately both realised "Holy crap! This is Hans Gruber." We found him. Yes, we we awesome. found him, and they. Uh, Ripman had really no interest in being a film mm. actor, and yeah, got talked into it. And as they say, the rest is history. Yes, it is. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: And um, and him is like, is he's, he's great in every scene. Yes. Um, like as, as soon as you you really meet him and he starts talking, you're just like. Awesome,
1: I. It, it's almost like you just mentioned that you know this is Willis's film, mm. like he owns it. But I would dare say Rickman steals the film from him almost. Yeah, yeah, no. In, that's in, it, in the but, sense of like. He's the more memorable character because yes. he is so charming and interesting and Rickman plays him so well. Yes,
0: he's a he's a true character. Willis's performance and his his commitment and his energy and stuff is just fabulous. But yeah, no. In terms of actual performance, yeah, I'd agree Rickman's is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and together. Like if just... you took either of them out, you'd need a damn good replacement. Yeah, that's um, it. You, you
1: can't even think of anyone honestly off the top of my No, that's like... it. Like
0: if you if you swapped out someone else for Gruber, you'd just have an, you know, that
1: it just wouldn't work.
0: Yeah, like it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's such it's, a nice, it's that quote.
1: perfect yin, yin and yang balance. Yeah, like going there.
0: And so. I, I do. I did quite enjoy Gruber's sort of um, very measured sl- sort of decline from total control to losing control. So yeah. in some films, you really just notice the point when they lose control. Mm. His was just so gentle that by the end, you just you know he's just losing grip on the situation that he had. Perfectly planned. Like, um,
1: so eloquent and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so he, you barely
0: even notice until towards the end his hair's more ruffled and, yeah. and, and the it, ties
1: come undone as yeah, well. And yeah, and it's just
0: so perfectly groomed and educated and measured early on. You're just like, yeah, you don't even think about it.
1: But it's interesting though, there are these little nuggets that he lets slip throughout that you could possibly think maybe he's not, he's just putting on those airs. Mm. I mean, initially you do, like, when he first enters the the kind of boardroom area where there's all the models of all the projects yes. the Nakatomi Corporation the
0: sort of performance almost and he
1: has that wonderful he quotes Alexander the Great when Alexander saw the breadth of his domain he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer yes yeah. and you know he then punctuates it by saying you know
0: the benefits of a classical education benefits of a classical education
1: precisely <laughs> and so you're like oh wow this is who this guy is? Yeah, but then as the film progresses, he keeps sort of doing these things of like I read it in Forbes or I read it in Time. So it's oh, just yeah, these okay. things of you might not be educated; you're just re- like you know reading magazines to keep abreast and seeming this sort of thing. Possibly. Yeah, interesting. That's just no, no, no. Just no, something no. I'd not mind. Noticed. That
0: mm. and what I also like too with his whole like uh, let's call him terrorist his terrorist crew mm. is they're all very memorable. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what. It's because so many other um, films like this, we've got, you know, one-man-army sort of films, they don't necessarily have a memorable opposition apart from the, the lead, who's often not a great... Like, think of Bond films. Often the villains themselves don't fight very well, mm. but they have a great right-hand man. So yep. Gruber had Carl yes. as his obvious right-hand man, um, who's this gigantic, amazing, terrifying creature. Yep,
1: Alexander Goodenov is the actor.
0: What else has he been in? Uh,
1: I know him from uh, Witness,
0: Oh, okay. The, uh, yep.
1: the famous scene in Witness is the um, uh, the um, God, the uh, the Amish who, guy who gets the uh, ice cream kind of put on his face by the jerk
0: locals and stuff. yeah. You're yep. well, you right.
1: sorry me blankly. Yeah, I'm yeah. just
0: giving you nothing. No, right. he,
1: he's um, <laughs> yeah, one, one of the Amish villagers. Yep. Uh, uh, okay. so, yeah, in Witness. Okay.
0: Because yeah, I hadn't, but he's a he's a perfect German villain. Yeah, um, um, I want to say he might
1: the... be in like. Cliffhanger or something, maybe. Oh, like, yeah. I think he became a staple kind of guy. Just go
0: to, yeah, yeah, henchman guy. So he was an obvious standout, and then, um, and then the the nerdy hacker dude. Yeah, he was great. Um, yeah, can't remember. He, can't remember, oh, the Garage's name. That yeah. guy, uh, and he obviously stood out just because he got enough screen time, and you, you learn a bit about his personality. He wasn't there to fight. He and he,
1: And they're all dressed distinctly as yes, well. The
0: costumes are everyone's a bit everyone. Everyone has their own look. Um, that you know that they, they go for obvious it's, stuff. Like there's you know the. the in ethnicity is used for a bit of identity. Yeah. Um, you know, you got a couple of blonde guys, but you know, one's got short hair and glasses. One got long hair. Yeah, you, then know, they, you got the Japanese bloke. You know, the one
1: guy's wearing the dark sweater. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got all. But the- they
0: all get a little bit of screen time. They also, I think, from memory, pretty much all of them get a line or an mm-hmm. isolated um, bit where they, you sort of see them doing something. They all have a moment. Yeah, yeah they all get a moment so that they're a recognisable crew. Whereas some other ones might have a one or two, three. Recognisable and then just cannon fodder. Yeah. Um, Which these guys, the other guys were cannon fodder. Really, you knew they weren't going to last because they weren't getting many lines. But you recognise them. But they're
1: given more than a red shirt. Yes,
0: you recognise them when they got their kneecaps shot Um, off. You're like, oh, that guy's dead now. Mm. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I thought that that was another great just attention to detail. Mm. Um, And then. Other supporting characters How much was 80's Bra- How good was 80's Bradley Cooper? Oh yeah
1: That, that was amazing uh, <laughs> When the character of Ellis First showed up on screen Eric just yelled Holy crap It's 80's Bradley Cooper And It's a, a character that Throughout I've always been like Yeah he, he serves a purpose He yeah. is The douche guy He yeah. is 80's douche douchebag. Yeah But I never really this time watching it, it's it just was so clear how awful he is as a character yeah Hans Bobby I'm your white knight like he's he's great in the film his yeah, he's, performance he's brilliant. is fantastic yeah. and he serves a very distinct and necessary purpose
0: yeah but god what an ass <laughs> yeah there are many good people in, in it um that's why you almost go for Gruber because he yeah. actually comes across as apart from breaking the law and killing people yeah um no, he seems to have personality or something, and that's why you sort of like you said, we kind of side with him because he actually seems to be making like it's- logical decisions, and it's a weird thing. I shouldn't be going for this guy.
1: It was, what's that line from Pulp Fiction <laughs> he's got personality and personality goes a long way yeah that's it so that's how
0: well written he is and acted he is but um yeah 80s guy like he just had that amazing smarmy grin and just
1: oh god yeah the scene where he is on the radio um trying to convince John to oh
0: and he's getting his 80s businessman Wall Street deal face on the leg on. up and the simple like thumbs up yeah <laughs> hey buddy we'll seal this show him the watch later well go on show him what are you embarrassed it's just a small token of appreciation
1: for all our hard work. It's a Rolex. It's it's a thing where you feel absolutely nothing when he dies.
0: No, you're like, oh, well, at least we don't have to put up with him that anymore. That didn't work. Yeah, good try, buddy. Yeah. I love Gruber during that scene as well. It's like, you've figured it all out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well the guy like, done. He comes in thinking he's on the same... Play- he's playing the same... Like, yeah, he's, he's got zero ideas at yeah, all. You're not on the same playing field. You're not even playing the same game. No, but like, you
0: just... you. You bluff for a living and that's about it. Yeah. Um, But
1: But it's... I think, honestly, um, all the kind of interactions between the characters... I mean, Hans Gruber is amazing, but I think the interactions you get between um, McLean and Powell are Mm. so wonderful and it's... I mean, obviously the go-to is the scene where he's picking the glass out of his feet telling him to, like, find his wife if he doesn't make it. It's so heartfelt and amazing, but...
0: Yeah, he's that partner he needs on the outside, someone to be able to talk to. Yeah. To kind of keep him going, keep him grounded.
1: Yeah, and the the kind of relationship that they end up sharing and Mm. the banter is so well-written and so developed. Yes. Despite the fact that they literally share the frame once, twice in the film.
0: Yeah. It's really well done. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, particularly because at the start, like... Al is is not doing a great job as a cop let's no. be honest he just wants his Twinkies and, uh, and that's about it but then you get real depth and backstory mm. for him as a character and he's, he's he's got his head switched on to at least like we were talking about his humanity early on you're like yeah. what are you doing you can't do
1: that which, which makes it the perfect kind of the level headedness kind of works so well for the crazy overblown situation mm. that claims in it, it's a wonderful guy to help check the barometer pretty much yes, for what's going yeah. on
0: and keep yeah keep him level headed yeah, and you're saying before um, how the movie works because it is relatively grounded in realism and uh, for an action movie it it, it is like mm. a lot of the the stunts and predicaments Willis gets himself into are uh, most of them are relatively believable I mean mm. you know he bungee jumps with a essentially with a with a with a hose the fly hose yeah that worked out pretty well luckily but and um, and
1: that it survived the C4 (laughs) explosion yeah the roof blowing up yeah
0: even though the one C4 block he dropped earlier like blew out an entire building pretty much yeah Um, and then like there's a couple of other moments like even in the elevator shaft when he falls but somehow manages to grip the one like you know there's a couple of without like like, dislocating his like shoulders yes and so there's a couple of those moments where you're just like which, you know, if you really cared, you go, that wouldn't work. But the rest are all pretty believable. Like, yeah. like the shootout with Carl and Gruber, um, when they shoot out all the windows and the glass, like, he's just scrambling behind desks. He and manages to shoot a guy on the knees. That's how that guy dies, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then he has the moment where he's they're just bombarding and shooting on the glass, where he's just like, Jesus Christ, yes. he can't deal, and he just looks for
0: an exit. Yeah, he's just like, I've got to get out of here. Yeah, like, like, I, I'm, like not, I'm not going to get, like get like up and one-shot everybody. Yeah. And, and perhaps that's another good part of the film. There's only... 12 terrorists yeah. aren't there 13
1: They're oh yeah no 12 12
0: 12 so. and they get picked off so slowly yeah it's n- and like you get a, lo- a long way through the film and you know I was like he's taken out 5 yeah you're like yeah he has only taken out 5 it's it's not like some other ones where uh, they'll be they'll be just shooting through a pack or they might take out like 4 at once yeah, it doesn't there doesn't might ha- be like a scene where they eliminate a group or something the film does not have a massive body count mm. at all um, no
1: but it oh.
0: Nope, lost it. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. And yeah, I guess um, at the end of the day, for a movie that's kind of one big bottle episode, it works quite well. <laughs> oh wow, I never even thought of <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I just was just really think like they they only had they only really worked across like three floors of, a, of an apartment building. Yeah, like right? Floor th- oh, I guess let's include the uh, the ground floor as well. Yeah. The ground floor, floor 30, I think, which was like that. 30, 31,
1: 32. Yeah, and then yeah. the
0: roof, and that was about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, and even those are set up so perfectly mm. when Takagi is welcoming him to the party. He's like, oh, if we can get the... He's like, it's a nice building you've got. Oh, if only we could get it finished. So many floors are still on. It's like yeah. the
0: construction of the floor, even that is set up early on. Yeah, <laughs> so they can just muck around and move, move around, and they don't actually go through. Like, he repeats him." self through certain spaces and things like that. It's like, you can actually believe that he knows his way around the building. Yeah. Or he can remember at least parts of it.
1: Well, because, yeah, he, he's only navigating that short area mm. that, yeah, he
0: becomes familiar
1: to the point of, you know, later when he runs past the porno girls, yes. like, ladies. <laughs> ladies, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, no, uh, that was, yeah. Mm.
1: um, it, it, Like, dare I, I, I hate to bring this up because it is... Uh, Arguably a perfect film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, any flaws, I mean, I, the, the big glaring one was obviously the ending.
0: But uh, the Yes, that one. would be my only thing that I... Yeah. No, not many flaws. Uh, w- w- the ending, yeah. where for some reason Carl's alive again.
1: Yeah, and... That was
0: unnecessary. It, like, I, I guess it gave Al his moment. Yeah, this is a thing we I'm
1: expecting to maybe get some emails about, yeah. because everyone loves this and thinks it's like a great redemption moment. No, Powell does not need to be redeemed. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was it, an interesting. It, it's so bad. It, it's... And, and Carl was... Come on, he was dead. I'm sorry, like, I know a lot of movies like to like... There's a close-up of him hanging he, like... He's dead. And like... And if not, how'd he get down? Yeah. Um... At the very least, they could've used somebody else. I, I know that Carl's more threatening, but yeah. like...
1: It, it's just baffling and the fact that Powell pulling his gun again and killing someone Mm. is played as a heroic moment. Like, the music swells and stuff. And you're like,
0: no! The most epic music of the film is at that moment. Yeah, you're like, no, 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 no. That should not be. (laughs) No, Powell doesn't... I didn't feel he needed to be able to shoot somebody again. And maybe that's my modern day standards. Maybe back in the 80s it made a bit more sense I'm not probably, sure you're probably right in that in that it is that like maybe know, I'm looking at it from a guy who lives in 2017 almost 2018
1: yeah I mean the, the fact that this film is 30 years old now yeah
0: first, so, so. I, perhaps that's for me I just mm. like I don't think he needed redeeming He's no
1: his, his, he his redemption was on the f- when he's on the Walkie-talkie with McLean and tells his story, and he's like, "No, it's he's fine with
0: it. Uh, He's dealt
1: with it in his own way." And that's how
0: I felt. I thought they'd actually written the dialogue pretty well, and if they wanted to, they could have included one or two more lines there. He'd chosen not to shoot again.
1: Yeah, and Um, and the fact that McLean's like, "Oh, I feel like shit for bringing this up," he's like, "No, man, you didn't know. It's fine. I've dealt with it. Yeah, like I've emotionally had my." therapy and breakthroughs, I'm fine. Yeah. He doesn't need to be,
0: quote-unquote,
1: redeemed. No.
0: Through murder. No, (laughs) No. and I mean, I I guess I don't mind the redeeming part. I don't think it needed to be done. I don't mind it that much, but I just don't think Carl needed to be alive again. I don't think it needed to happen. No.
1: (laughs) And I mean, as well, like, Powell doesn't need to kill a terrorist at the end to show he's a good cop. He's been showing throughout the film. He is an amazing
0: cop. He's a good cop. Yeah. 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 So... Yeah, I just... Yeah, no, that, that, my only flaw was the fact that Carl was back alive again. I'm like, oh, you didn't need to do that. Yeah. He the, the, he, the he died pretty... an epic death, and that fight between the two of them was brutal. The
1: punctuation should just be Holly punching William Atherton. That the, would the have been just offense. a
0: perfect little 80s closer. Yep. Um, he deserved it. Yep. Um, that would have been awesome. Cut cut to the Christmas music. We're done. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well,
1: that's that could be something... Oh, sorry, I'll let
0: you go. No, no, I was just going to say. I, otherwise, it, there weren't really any things the major things that really jumped out that or that I can really remember right now having an issue with. Mm. Um, well, the other night,
1: uh, we're when we were at uh, the pub and things, before we mm. saw, went off and saw Star Wars and things, we were having a talk with our friend uh, Colleen, who's a um, sometimes co-host on the Criterion Quest, the other podcast I do, and we were saying we were going to do this as our Christmas episode. Yes. And... She was maintaining, like, yes, it is a Christmas movie, mm. but it's only tangentially Christmas. Yeah. And I was
0: trying to kind of... De- we got into a playful debate
1: yeah, yeah. on...
0: Because yeah. Her, Tom, her husband, your, yeah. your other co-host, it's his Christmas tradition, so... Yeah, he
1: and his family, every year, they sit down and they watch either Die Hard 1 or Die Hard 2. They alternate between the two. Yeah. And oh, on that note, uh, those people who say Die Hard Two is just as good as Die Hard One, you are wrong. <laughs> Die Hard Two is I uh, dare I say not even as good as Die Hard Three. Oh, I'm one of those oh, people. Okay,
0: interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to add <laughs> to that. Yeah. Um
1: but yeah, it, it's a film that I think is definitely a Christmas film. It is categorically a Christmas film. And my argument was... Uh, the the counter-argument was Home Alone is more of a Christmas film. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that Die Hard is as much a Christmas film as Home Alone in the sense that the narrative hangs on it being Christmas. If it wasn't Christmas, the narrative... We, yeah, the fair enough. wouldn't take place.
0: Because I... Yes, no, that's a very good way of putting it, actually. Because I... Yeah, after watching I'm like, oh, I didn't really think of that as a Christmas film. Mm. But you're exactly right. I guess that the party and quite a few of the sequences and scenes were utilize Christmas um, for dialogue situations. Not that many. It's taking place on
1: Christmas Eve, but what I'm more kind of Mm. leaning towards is McLean wouldn't be in the building and in the situation if it wasn't
0: Christmas. Yes, yes. So
1: it it is the kind of linchpin for the narrative to happen. It is,
0: yeah. I mean, could it just have been happened on New Year's Eve? I guess.
1: I, I would argue probably the most Christmas stuff in the film is the music. Michael Yes that, no, that's
0: a good point they do use Christmas music a bit and like uh, the
1: bells the instrumental
0: stuff yeah throughout. um yeah I, I don't walk away going thinking I need to watch this every Christmas yeah so I definitely don't have that feeling but I have the feeling that I would love to watch it again. Yeah, <laughs> <Sounds great. laughs> um, which is uh, and and probably could do it multiple times. It was very enjoyable and easy to watch. It's very easy to watch and on rewatch it. it There's holds just so many up. little quotes that I think I just laugh at every time. Yeah, I uh, so
1: I, I found myself mouthing along to some classic lines and yeah. stuff as well. Like I've yeah. <laughs> Where did um?
0: So Yippikaya? Is that from any old cowboy sort of stuff? Well, it's the whole conversation
1: they're having about, about him John a, Wayne and Roy Rogers. So and him being a cowboy. Yeah, his Kaya is... It, I, I, I
0: is it taken from anything specific, or is it just a kind of a made-up it's, it's just on, a
1: cowboy kind of thing. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering, I'm like... I, I know it from this film, but I'm like, there's so many cowboy references yeah. to him.
1: I'm pretty sure it probably would have been a Roy Rogers reference. Yeah. That, that's, like guess. And then he
0: just... Swore afterwards just to kind of ram it home.
1: Punctuate it yeah. and become one of the most famous catchphrases yes, exactly, of all yeah. time. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy?
0: yippee ki motherfucker. Yep. Hmm. Um, like I said, I could watch that again, so yeah. I guess that goes without saying that adult Eric liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say, so yeah, <laughs> you, you've, you've solidly enjoyed this one. It's, yeah. it's really the first proper action movie we've done, because mm. Top Gun... We decide as,
0: it's not an action it's film. It's not
1: really right. Yeah, not, and, not
0: really. Yeah, it's got action, but it's it's a, it's a whole bunch of different things. Really, it's, it's
1: a recruitment film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Rocky like is definitely not an action. No, 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 that's a drama. But yeah, so this is really the first of this type of film we've gotten to do on the podcast. So yes. Um, how do you think of like, ranks against some of the other kind of classic... Like, um, knowing you, I know you're a huge fan of some of the 90s action movies like The Rock, for instance. I love The
0: Rock. The I Rock is amazing. And having yeah. watched Die Hard, I reckon The Rock just took a whole bunch of stuff from a, You know, from, from some others I've seen, too. So, it's the same...
1: It's literally the same movie, yeah, pretty it's,
0: much. Yeah, and it's just before Bay went off the rails and did mm. all his other wacky stuff, The Rock was really... I don't know. I still, I still will stick up for it, but that's yeah. another conversation. No, no, another the, the time, Rock,
1: the Rock needs no sticking up for. The if you don't like the Rock, you're a
0: fool. I mean, I, I enjoy Face Off, but it's stupid as.
1: <laughs> yes, it, yeah, like Face Off <laughs> is amazingly entertaining, but it is it's, so dumb. It's so
0: dumb. And same like, with Con Air. Con Air, I like a lot, but it is so dumb. But the Rock, is is actually just pretty damn good to be honest. Yeah. But anyway, um, no, this this in terms of, yeah, other films. So like, if I try and think of, uh, th- era specific ones I'm like, still missing a Commando? Quite a yeah this is better than Commando comfortably yeah um, I don't know like do you put Terminator 2 in that category it's a bit different It's
1: that's more yeah, of a sci-fi yeah I sci-fi that, yeah.
0: so uh, I'm trying to think of it, others that, I mean I've still got to watch Rambo and a couple of those other mm. fir- first generation uh, yeah it,
1: it is a film I think I, I do put it as the apex of
0: action. It's going right? to be hard to beat, I think, just because there's so, like I said, the characters, the, the dialogue, the story, everything the was pacing. so tight. The pacing, I just thought, was what really made it.
1: The, on that note as well, the cinematography, I think, is yes. absolutely brilliant. The, the lighting effects and the way mm. it's so minimalistically done with using fluorescence and yep. it's so cleverly and expertly done.
0: It, and a lot of it, and there's a lot of cramp shots when they yeah. need to be. And then I, I really noticed during the scene where. Um, uh, he meets uh, Gruber for the first time and they have the, the shots are on angles. Yeah. And I was like, oh, interesting. Just, just making it a little just, bit skewed situation. Yeah, a little bit skewed and a bit off balance and uh, and um, that was a really interesting way of doing that.
1: Yeah, so the director of photography was uh, uh, Jan de Bande who mm-hmm. went on to become a director himself, our most notably directed Speed.
0: Oh, okay, there yeah, we go. Yeah,
1: yeah, so he he has been a cinematographer for quite a while, so, yeah. but um, yeah, it's sort of... Risen to prominence in the action films,
0: and yeah. I can see why this helped it helped him along.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's most well known, I think, for directing Speed. And yeah, he directed Speed Two, and then never really directed again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a oh well, at
0: least he gave it his best
1: shot. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. if the, Was there anything else you'd... Follow? I guess
0: Young Eric is... Prob- oh,
1: yes, obviously. Like I, Before we got into that, I was going to... Yeah, Young it.
0: Eric would have liked it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it would have been... Pity this one never got put on in a sleepover. That's the way I put it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I saw Long Kiss Goodnight.
1: That's that's a good one. They, I, I, I still kind of rate that one. That
0: and Lethal Weapon 2 were pretty common sleepover films for some reason. Yeah. Not Lethal Weapon 1. Number 2. Number is more fun. Number yes. 1's
1: bleak, it's like when yeah, he's going to kill himself watching Looney Tunes
0: and that's stuff. That's right, Yes, yeah, really depressing, isn't it? Yeah. At yeah. times, yeah, but number two, they swing more towards just shooting South Africans.
1: I, I, and I wonder if that has to do with it coming out a year after Die Hard.
0: Yes, yes, they went...
1: Because I'm pretty sure it's 89. I'll no, yeah. trust
0: you on that one. But, um, yeah, no, I this I would have really enjoyed this. Um, I'm glad I finally watched it. Mm. Um,
1: and I'm, it's one I'm sure you'll end up re-watching a few
0: times. Yes, so... I should bother with 2 and 3? Yes, I would say 2 and 3 for sure. Because I think I've seen number 6, the one with Justin Long. That's number 4. Is that 4? That's number 4. Yeah, that was entertaining just because stuff blew up and stuff.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, yes. Okay. Fifth one's not good at all. No, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that Willis is now, you know, in 60, it's just like, stop. Yeah. Stop.
0: Stopping in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah,
1: really. See, it's interesting. That's for Liam Neeson to do. Well, na- <laughs> well, on that note, it's interesting. Willis is now starring in a remake of Death Wish, the Charles Bronson movie about an old guy who goes vigilante. <laughs> no, so fair I'm just enough. like, okay, no, that's more suited. That's yeah. what I want to see, old Bruce Willis. Do. Yeah, I don't want to see John McLean. You've already turned him into a cartoon character like yeah
0: he's going far enough
1: yeah even like by, by the I, I feel we have to do them for the podcast maybe we'll do a double episode for so two, we'll and, do three. two yeah. and three yeah that
0: sounds like a plan
1: um but they it's it is a steep decline I feel from yeah. this first one in, in terms of it being grounded in realism and things I guess yeah. Mm. But yeah, so I guess, in summation, like, adult Eric loved it, yep. child Eric would have
0: loved it. Yeah, I think so. No, it, it, people aren't wrong. That's a good film.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, we'll move on to the little bit of trivia and stuff.
0: Yeah, what uh, extras have you got for us? Uh,
1: so the film had a production budget of $28 million, Okay. Is, yeah, kind of, yeah. middle of the road, yeah. Uh, worldwide gross, $140.8 uh, which is pretty damn good off a...
0: Yeah. yeah, I thought they might have done better than that, compared yeah. to some of the other figures the other ones got. But uh, uh,
1: It was only the seventh highest-grossing yeah. film of 1988.
0: Interesting, yeah.
1: Um, and I think that's due to, in large part, it being a hard R in America. Yeah, I it think. would have had
0: to have been, wouldn't it? So it that, it's a
1: very... Adult film,
0: yeah. Like we're saying, it doesn't hold back with the '80s blood packs. No, like a shot, they'd... and
1: you know, this swearing and nudity. It, it yep. ticks all the boxes. Yeah, it ticks them all. People's yeah.
0: organs are pretty much explode out of their skin. Mm.
1: Um, so yeah, it didn't do amazing, but you know, did fairly well. Yeah, it did and well, it's, but you know, gone on to now ha- via reputation be considered yeah one of the best. Uh, it was nominated for four Academy Awards actually. Okay, <laughs> best sound, best sound effect editing, best visual effects, and best editing. Editing, cool. Yeah, yep. Which I pay. Uh, <laughs> on recording this, actually, it was inducted into the National Film Registry yesterday. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very perfectly timed. <laughs> uh, they announced yesterday at the date of us recording this yep. the uh, films that were going to be inducted at the end of the year to the National Film Registry, and Die Hard is one of them.
0: There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's also ranked number 122 on
0: IMDb's top 250. Pretty damn good for an action film.
1: Yeah. Especially <laughs> for one that you think is very commercial and very... Ch- like. It's churned out that many sequels. So. Yeah, that yeah. you're just like, ugh, what a-. Like, it could mm. be e- such... It's so easily dismissed, but it's yep. like, it is really just such a
0: reminder of... Movies that churn out sequels is usually there's a reason for it. Yeah, the first one is usually decent. <laughs> like, the first Saw is... Really good. Yeah, so original. Yeah, First I, Rocky. That was great. Yeah, etc. Um, etc. Et
1: yeah, um, Lethal Weapon. I'll throw into that category mm. and things.
0: Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, exactly. Like all, how many of those that are there? But the the original's fantastic.
1: And I would argue number three as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen any others.
1: Mm. Um, so there was, you noticed in the credits that it was based on a novel.
0: Yes, it did.
1: That kind of blew your mind a little bit, I It think. did, it did.
0: Yeah. It made me think of some novels of my dad's that I read, actually, back in the day. Really? Yeah, he used to read these books by an author called Alistair McLean, for anybody who's uh, hmm. listening out there who's read them before, and I used to love this awesome one, I was thinking of it when I saw that, uh, of these uh, similar sort of situation where uh, terrorists kind of, I can't remember quite how it was, but they essentially hijacked the Golden Gate Bridge. Huh. In a way, and they, they held some sort of hostage situation on the Golden Gate Bridge, and it was pretty awesome, actually. So they're kind of more like action-y,
1: less analytical Tom Clancy's, almost. Yeah,
0: yeah, basically. Mm. Um, So that, I'm like, maybe it's one of those kinds of books. But anyway, do yeah. go on.
1: Uh, so it was a uh, book by Roderick Thorpe called Nothing Lasts Forever, and it turns out it was a series of books. And uh, the first one was actually made into a film in 1968 called The Detective. It uh, was a bit of a box office success and things. And when a uh, movie based on the sequel went into production, the studio was contractually obligated to offer the lead role to the previous actor, who was Frank Sinatra. What? (laughs) Uh, Sinatra was in his early 70s at the time, (laughs) and obviously turned down the project.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Wow.
1: Uh, After that happened, uh, the story was then drastically changed from the original source novel to distance itself from that previous film, The Detective, to kind of... The the base elements were kept and then it was shifted into
0: its own, own world. unique story. Yeah. Before I forget, I think Alistair McLean wrote The Dam Busters.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I
0: think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For one that you will know. Yes, no, very... I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I, that was his. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Willis received a
1: then-unheard-of $5 million as a fee for uh, a fee that had to be personally approved by Rupert Murdoch. I was going to say, that's pretty decent. For being a second film and <laughs> yes. off of TV, I guess. Yeah. But I think that he'd won either a Golden Globe or an Emmy, and was, oh, was and a Lighting star. was a huge show. So yeah, I yeah. think... It was like the equivalent of casting, you know, Will Jennifer s- Aniston or Matthew Perry at, like, you know, after season two or three of Friends.
0: Will Smith, even?
1: Yeah, s- yeah similar yeah, yeah. kind of thing as what happened with Independence Day, yeah. like, going from Fresh Prince to...
0: We, we're we getting this
1: guy. Yeah, because yep. he's the hot ticket right now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Nakatomi Tower is actually the headquarters of 20th Century Fox. Uh, the building actually charged itself rent for the use (laughs) oh sorry the company charged themselves use
0: I bet you Murdoch paid no tax that year
1: yeah that's it it's a total like in one pocket into the other like right off
0: that's genius yeah very clever
1: yeah and uh, that was about it I had uh, yeah great no
0: that's some good stuff
1: yeah but I guess unless you've got any other kind of fun or nah, thoughts... I think, uh,
0: I think we've covered it well. Yeah. Yeah. Wrap
1: it up for the greatest action movie ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was good. Mm. It's good. Um, yeah, I can't think of... Yeah, it's going to be hard to beat. That, yep. that, that, was, that was really, really good. <laughs> nice.
1: Um... Well, we had actually previously pulled a film out of a hat. Um, if you'd listened to our previous episode of The Muppet Movie, we kind of record-scratched and decided to just jump ahead and do Die Hard now as a Christmas film. Yeah. I think we'd mentioned that earlier in one of the previous episodes. So, uh... We already know what the next film we're going to watch is, and uh... yeah, so the next film will be the Neverending Story. Yeah, the uh, Wolfgang Peterson uh, fantasy
0: film. Mmm. Yep. So flying dragony things and fantasy lands. Yep. Pr-
1: pretty much. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, yeah, tune in for that. But um, if you have any comments or queries or have any suggestions for films you think we should throw into the hat, and you're not sure if Eric might have seen feel free to send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com.
0: Yep, that'd be great, because mm. uh, there's, like I always say, there's there's heaps, Yeah, you and every, probably
1: tell. Yeah, <laughs> and and everyone out there has different childhood films, so yep. we'd love to hear and from that's you. And
0: what it's all about, really. Yeah, uh, know what some of yours are. Yeah. Mm. But, um, no, thank you again for listening. Um, I think we'll leave you at that. Yeah. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm Chris. Good night. See you later. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. But the fire is so delightful And since we've no place to go Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow
1: Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.